0: Three, two, one. Flight cleared for takeoff.
1: Hello, good morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever time it may be where you're listening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jason Belcher, military veteran, small business owner, Lifelong Kentuckian and lifelong Democrat. You know, somebody asked me last week. They said, "Why did you say that part about uh, being a lifelong Democrat?" And I said, "Because I am." I think it's only fair. You know, if folks are going to listen, they should know who they're listening to. Uh, so I, I'm a lifelong Democrat and proud of it. This week, we're going to be talking about commercial space travel. Just within the past week, we've had two billionaires launch themselves into space. And I know there's a lot of people who think that's a good thing. There's a lot of people who think that's a bad thing. But what they both agree on is that it's a significant thing. It is a significant thing. It's a significant thing because for the first time, people have gone into space who were not scientists or engineers or military officers or trained astronauts. And I don't think this is going away. You know, to be a viable business... All you need is a product or service and a customer base who is willing and able to pay for it. And it looks like commercial space travel has that. So we already have space tours. That's not going to go away. But here's the point that I want to make this week. We can't let billionaire space travel become what we think of as space travel. In other words, space tourism isn't going away. It's going to be there. But the primary purpose of space travel and space exploration remains to increase our knowledge, to learn, to discover, and to unlock secrets of nature. All of that isn't going to stop. It shouldn't be stopped. That's not going to change. What's going to change from now on, though, in the future, is that all of those things are going to happen alongside or in conjunction with space tourists. So space tourism does not mean we have to completely redefine and reconceptualize the domain of space travel or of space exploration. So let's not let that happen. Let's remember the reasons why we've gone into space in the first place. So now I want to play a clip of something else that happened only five months ago. Just back in February, something else pretty significant happened in the realm of space travel. And as I play this clip, I think most people will recognize what that was.
0: We are starting the straighten up and fly right maneuver where the spacecraft will jettison the entry balance masses in preparation for parachute deploy and to roll over to give the radar a better look at the ground. We're getting signals from MRL. Tango Delta. Touchdown confirmed. Perseverance safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking the sands of past
1: life. That was Dr. Swati of NASA relaying the landing of the Perseverance rover on Mars back in February. And I think the last thing she said there was very important, not just that the rover had landed and that NASA had accomplished that, but the purpose of that rover, which was the search for past life. The search for past life on Mars, that's what Perseverance is there doing right now. It's taking soil samples, doing chemical analysis, and it's giving us a chance to do the kind of detailed look for the for evidence of past life that we haven't been able to do before. There's some things you can't get just from a picture or from even a high-resolution picture or from satellite data. Sometimes you have to actually get down in the soil and take a sample and analyze that sample to see what's in there to really know for sure what's, what's there or what's not there. So the only way really find True evidence of past life is going to be from uh, from samples taken on the surface of Mars, and that's Perseverance's mission. But past life from Mars is not the only thing that might be out there. Let's take a moment, just about a minute, maybe a little bit longer, to listen to a clip of Dr. Michio Kaku, who's a physicist at City College in New York, and I think he used to be at Harvard. This is an interview he gave, I think, last year. But it's a really good one and it we gives a nice overview of the uh, the big picture purpose of, of space travel and space exploration by the way I get it I understand that most people already know the real reason for space travel that's not why I'm playing this but you know how sometimes when you're significant' there's significant other you know that you know they care about you but you just need to hear them say it I feel like it's that kind of weak for us in, in space travel we just need to hear someone say it we need to hear the real purpose of space travel restated and, and that's the reason why I'm playing this clip
0: But given the fact that we've already identified 4,000 exoplanets orbiting other stars, and we have a census of the Milky Way galaxy for the first time, we know that on average, every single star on average has a planet going around it, and about one-fifth or so of them have Earth-sized planets going around them. So just do the math. We're talking about out of 100 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy, We're talking about billions of potential Earth-sized planets. And to believe that we're the only one is, I think, rather ridiculous, (laughs) given the odds. And how many galaxies are there? Within sight of the Hubble Space Telescope, there are about 100 billion galaxies. So do the math. How many stars are there in the visible universe? 100 billion galaxies times 100 billion stars her galaxy. We're talking about a number beyond human imagination. And to believe that we're the only ones, I think, is is rather ridiculous.
1: Okay, so the number of potential worlds out there is incomprehensibly mind-numbingly large. We get that. But there are more practical reasons for going to space, aside from just finding distant planets and what those distant planets might hold. There are things that are closer closer to the Earth that that could be of value as well. And let's listen real quick to a a clip from Neil deGrasse Tyson, the renowned astrophysicist, explaining what that might be. Uh, Play cut three.
2: Obvious. My name is Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. The question of why are we going into space One of them is maybe you want to know how to deflect that asteroid that would render us extinct. That's a good reason to go into space. Maybe you want to tap the asteroids that are rich in minerals so that you can become the world's first trillionaire. That would be a good reason to go into space. Three quarters of all money spent on space today is for commercial products, for industries that use GPS, for weather satellites for communication satellites, direct TV. So maybe you'll go into space because you want to make money in some kind of telecommunications industry. There could also be geopolitical reasons that have to do with cooperation, that have to do with demonstrations of a capacity to collaborate. But you know what I think the best reason for going into space is? It's though we have problems here on Earth, Just imagine, we're all in a cave. We're cavemen, there you are, we're in a cave. And I say, i like to go out the cave and explore what's across the valley and over the hills. And then you come to me and say, nope, can't do that, we have problems in the cave, gotta fix the cave problems first. That has high priority. You can't go out beyond the cave. You hear how absurd absurd that exchanges
1: Okay so we have a lot of good reasons to go to space but why in the past week or week and a half did two billionaires specifically go into space? A lot of people think it was for publicity or a publicity stunt I'm not sure that's a very satisfying answer because they're billionaires they can buy publicity they don't have to risk their lives to get attention they can just pay for it. So why would you want to risk your own life for attention when you could just break out your checkbook and, and buy as much airtime as you possibly wanted? I don't think that's a very satisfying explanation. You, a lot of people think, well, they're, they're just, it's just for fun or it's just a, a rich person's toy or they're just doing it for amusement. I mean, I suppose all of those things are possible. But I think there may be a more fundamental reason, something more basic that we've, we've forgotten about that drives human exploration, the, the human exploration of space and that drives us to want to know what might be out there. And, and no one is better than the great Carl Sagan to explain to us or rather, I suppose, remind us what that might be so here's Carl Sagan narrating a short film by Eric Fernquist called Wanderers the visuals for this by the way are very impressive too but it's also good to just listen to the soundtrack so here's Carl Sagan narrating Wanderers for all its material advantages the sedentary life has left us
0: edgy unfulfilled even after 400 generations
1: in villages and cities we haven't forgotten the open road still softly calls, like a nearly forgotten song of childhood. Herman Melville in Moby Dick spoke for wanderers in all epochs and meridians. He said, I am tormented with an everlasting itch for things remote. I love to sail forbidden seas. What better proof could there be that the sedentary life, the life of people who live in in cities or towns or villages, uh, what we call civilization, what better proof could there possibly be that the sedentary life is limited or has its limitations than when the most wealthy and the most well-off among that population still isn't happy? They still want more. They're still looking for things to explore. They're still looking for new places to go. Okay, so if the poor are suffering and billionaires want off the planet, what does that mean for those of us that are somewhere in between those two? And I'd like to share with you a quote from Daniel Defoe in his classic Robinson Crusoe, which I think sheds a lot of light on that. I think this this has always been one of my favorite quotes to read. Uh, but here it is. This is from actually chapter one of Robinson Crusoe. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, just, just a very brief passage from it. But it's very telling, and it, it has a lot to do with the question I just asked. So billionaires went off the planet, the poor are suffering. What about those of us stuck in the middle? What are we supposed to do? So here's the quote. He bade me observe it, and I should always find that the calamities of life were shared among the upper and lower part of mankind, but that the middle station had the fewer disasters, and was not exposed to so many vicissitudes as the higher or lower part of mankind. Nay, they were not subjected to so many distempers and uneasiness, either of the body or mind, as those who were, by vicious living, luxury, and extravagances on the one hand, or by hard labor, want of necessities, and mean or insufficient diet on the other hand, bring distemper upon themselves by the natural consequences of their way of living that the middle station of life was calculated for all kind of virtue and all kind of enjoyments, that peace attending the middle station of life, that this way men went silently and smoothly through the world and comfortably out of it, not embarrassed with the labors of the hands or of the head, not sold to a life of slavery for daily bread, not harassed with perplexed circumstances which robbed the soul of peace and the body of rest, nor enraged with the passion of envy or the secret burning lust of ambition for great things, but in easy circumstances, sliding gently through the world and sensibly tasting the sweets of living without the bitter, feeling that they are happy and learning by everyday's experience how to know it more sensibly. A Senate could look at the events of the past week and say, you know, things are so bad down here, even the billionaires want off the planet. For most of us who are fortunate enough not to be poor and not quite fortunate enough to be extremely wealthy like a billionaire, we're somewhere in the middle. The Robson Crusoe Quotes and the the excerpt from that chapter just reminds us that the middle is actually a pretty good place to be. Potential knowledge that we can gain from space travel is something that affects the entire planet, and it's also something that the entire planet could, could contribute to, and so the entire planet could do. There aren't many things that we can say we can do as a planet. You know, this week the Olympics in Tokyo got started. That's something we do as a planet. Almost every country is represented in the Olympics. By the way, I I traveled to Tokyo many years ago as a student, and this was back in the the 1990s. And it was already, to me, as someone from the countryside, just a a fascinating and and amazing place. Also, just a massive place. So I can only imagine what it's like today. And uh, I hope the Olympians there have have a great time this week in the games. But that's something we can do as a planet, and so is space travel. Space travel is one of those things that can unite people. It's unusual. Even adversaries cooperate when it comes to space travel, or former adversaries. The United States and Russia are a good example. We have a long-standing relationship between our space programs that has probably been one of the bright spots in cooperation between the two countries. So space travel is something that can bring us together. To achieve something like success in space flight and unlocking the secrets of nature not only requires hard work and dedication, which, which it does, and not only requires a sense of adventure, it requires that too, but there's a third thing that it requires that I think we got to take a moment to think about. To really get into space and to achieve those kind of milestones, requires a go the extra mile mentality a go the extra mile mindset if you will it's okay to go the extra mile every once in a while and that's fine but when you make that a way of life when you make that a mindset when you make that a habit a pattern of activity if you go the extra mile consistently what you'll find is that those extra miles add up if you take a look at where someone is today and, somewhat, and and just pick a, a amount of time, a week, a month, it doesn't matter. Pick an amount of time and compare them to someone who go, who does go the extra mile consistently. And what you'll notice is there's a pretty growing gap between where what the former is and where the latter is. The person who doesn't go the extra mile versus the person who does on a consistent basis, you're going to see a very big distance between where they are. And that doesn't have to be restricted to anything particular. It doesn't matter what the goal is. Or what they're trying to accomplish or achieve if you have a go the extra mile mindset those extra miles will add up and in the case of space exploration they could add up to a lot of benefits for the human race that means we have good reason to choose to be a people who go the extra mile to make that our motto to make that our way of life not in spite of the problems we have here on earth but because of them Because the best chance we have for finding solutions is to enlarge our knowledge and to increase and gain our perspective, a new perspective, on those problems. I think Albert Einstein says something like, problems cannot be solved with the same level of awareness at which they were created. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly true. And that's that's a good example of how gaining a new perspective can help you see problems in a new light and to find new solutions. So, yes, we have problems here on Earth, but it's in our best interest. To continue to support the exploration of space. Even if that means now and then there are going to be tourists in space. Even if that means there are going to be a handful of billionaires who create an industry that will bring people into space for the purpose of tourism. That's okay. That's okay. It doesn't mean we have to stop the primary purpose of exploration and gaining knowledge. That's all the time I have for this week. Just opened a new business this week, VR Heroes in downtown Pikeville here in Kentucky, and that has really taken up a lot of time. It's a lot of hard work and very rewarding. We've had a good response so far. So that's all the time I have for the podcast this week. Next week, we're going to have our first guest. We'll be talking about the subject of drug addiction and the effect it's had, not just here in Kentucky, but across the nation. So look forward to uh, talking to you then, and thanks for listening. (laughs)